You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled, Not by Half. Hello my radio friends, I'm very glad you've joined me today for another program in the Give Me the Bible series. We've received some very encouraging phone calls and emails where people have expressed their appreciation of what they hear, including in the footsteps of Jesus as well as Give Me the Bible. But we expect there are lots of people who've been listening but have never thought to let us or the station know that they've been listening. Why don't you call just let us, just to let us know you have been listening? You don't have to give your name if you don't want to. Of course, you may identify yourself if you wish. We know that some of you are very interested in the Bible and want to learn more. If you'd like someone to study the Bible with you, let us know and we will see if we can arrange someone to study with you. Now for today's topic, not by half. It's interesting to observe the differences with children from the same family with the same parents. In the case of my own family, all our three children are the same, yet are different. Our first child was a reader. He often had his nose stuck in a book. Our second child was very practical and loved to see how to do things and to be involved in repairing and making things. Our third child was kind of a mixture of both, yet with a different type of personality. He was better at theory than practice. None of our children are afraid to tackle jobs and to learn new skills. But here is where the main differences show up. One of our children wants to get the job done as quickly as possible. The job done is more important than what the results might be. The second child likes to have good results without having to come back later to fix any faults. Our third child takes pleasure in both the doing and having a good result. But did you realise that God is in the business of repairing and making things too? There is a proclamation, an assessment of what God is like and what God does in Psalm 119 verse 68. It says, talking about God, you are good, and what you do is good. The word good refers to morality, and it refers to quality. We will explore, sorry, we will explore both these aspects of God in this program today. In the Gospel of John, chapter 2, is the record of Jesus' first miracle at the beginning of his public ministry. 
It happened at Cana, a town east of the Sea of Galilee. There was a wedding, and Jesus, his mother, and his disciples were invited along as guests. Weddings in those eastern countries back then were long drawn-out affairs compared with the weddings we have here in Australia. Our weddings usually only last one day or part of a day, but there and then a wedding could last a week. It must have been a very costly affair to pay for accommodation and for the food and everything for all the guests. At this particular wedding, a significant problem arose. And I shall read what happened in the book of John, chapter 2. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 75 to 100 litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it came from, though the servants who drew the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Hey, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best wine till now. Now there are lots of interesting points that might be discussed around this record. But there is one main point I wish to highlight today. It's this. The wine, which was the result of Jesus' miracle, was very, very good. It was so good that it was better than the best wine that was provided at the beginning of the wedding feast. And that should not be a surprise, because God does not do things by half. Incidentally, there is a debate over whether, the, over whether the miracle wine was alcoholic or non-alcoholic. There is a good case to suggest that the wine was non-alcoholic because Jesus was pure and sinless and it would be out of character for him to make alcoholic wine. But it's not possible to prove anything either way but we do know that the type of wine generally drunk back then had a low alcohol content compared to the alcoholic wines of our time. No, God does not do things by half. 
Jesus' miracle wine was the best. If Jesus made low-quality wine, it would detract from his noble character and status. Another story to illustrate how God does things is the story of creation. Genesis chapter 1 is about how the earth and what is in it was made. Verses 10, 18, 21, 25 and 31 all say almost the same thing. It's this. God saw what he made and it was good. There's not even a hint that some evolutionary process was going on. What God made was complete, functioning and working as it was designed to be. The Bible does not say that God made fish that turned into lizards and so on. He made the creatures that inhabit the waters, other creatures that inhabit the land and those that inhabit the air full stop. There was not a transition like some would suggest. And despite the efforts of some Christians who want to have their cake and eat it as well, the creation account does not include great long periods of time stretching into hundreds of millions of years. God does not need that kind of time. He spoke things into existence and there they were. You see, God does not do things by half. I firmly believe that the theistic evolutionists, along with evolutionists, have got it wrong. If God needed a process where there was no other input apart from him setting the ball rolling, so to speak, to me, that idea takes away from him all dignity and all his interest in what was created. It would mean that humankind would be of little interest to him, and the plan of salvation, Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, would be pointless exercises. And then we have the stories of the miracles, both in the Old and the New Testament. And I want to share with you the story of a man who was born blind. The story comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 9. And it says, As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man or his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man went and washed, 
and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, No, no, he only looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. We're going to have a break now, and we'll come back straight afterwards. Before the break, I read to you about where Jesus healed the, uh, restored the sight. No, that's not true because the man never had sight. 
who gave sight to a man who had never seen. And um, I want to ask you a question. Did this man have slightly improved vision? Or perhaps did he have, vis did he have vision in one eye? Or did he have sort of half vision? The answer to each of these questions is no. The man had normal vision, although before that he had never, ever seen anything. You see, God does not do things by half. Following this miracle, there was a high-level investigation as to what had happened. The inquiry was unable to explain what had happened and the inquirers ended up attacking the man who was blind, but who could now see. Luke 17 records the miracle of ten men healed of leprosy. You can read it from verse 11 and onward. Leprosy is a disease that still exists. It generally affects the extremities of the body first. The nerves in the feet and hands die. The skin develops sores, and those sores cause the affected parts to eventually die and drop off. Currently, there are about 180,000 people in the world affected by leprosy. The disease is caused by bacteria, and it is infectious and is transmitted through saliva and nasal drops. It is not a disease for which there was any cure before the last 50 years. If anyone had leprosy back then, they were quarantined from the rest of society. One day, as Jesus and his group were heading toward Jerusalem, they were encountered by a group of ten lepers. They were a pitiable sight, and they recognised who Jesus was. They called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest at the temple. They went, and on the way they were healed. Only one man out of the ten came back to thank Jesus, and he was a Samaritan. But despite that, they were all healed. Their skin and disfigured body parts were made completely whole, like brand new. You see, God does not do things by half. When he heals, the healing is complete. That's about what happened long ago. But what is God doing these days? Is he slack? Does he do things differently in the 21st century? In James chapter 1 and verse 17 is a description of what God is like. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You know, that's good news. 
God is not fickle. Instead, he is reliable. What he did long ago, he still does. God himself tells us what he's like. It's recorded in Malachi 3, verse 6. God says of himself, I am the Lord, I do not change. And just one more text, Hebrews 13, verse 8, says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, God can be relied on. Now this program is about not by half. So what's the character of God got to do with that? Well, a lot, really. As human beings, we naturally tend to be sinful. All of us have sinned. And how to fix the sin problem has been a major activity of God ever since Adam and Eve committed the first sin way back in the Garden of Eden. I have sinned, and so have you. To be made clean, we have to accept that Jesus paid that awful price for our sins by dying in our place. And we have to accept that we, when we ask for forgiveness, are forgiven. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And that's from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Now that's some contrast. God does not do things by half. When he forgives, we are totally forgiven. We're not half forgiven or anything like that. We are forgiven. Full stop. And then in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, where Micah is addressing God and he says, you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. You see, God forgives completely. He has compassion on struggling human beings who are tempted by the devil and plagued by sin. God wants us to be whole, to be happy, holy and healthy. Many people are troubled by the fact that when they ask for forgiveness, they're not sure whether they're forgiven or not. If we're truly sorry for what we've done, we can ask for forgiveness and we can be assured that we have it. Dear friend, are you struggling with this issue? Are you worried that you've gone too far? Do you think that God has had enough of your wrongdoing? Let me tell you that you cannot out-sin God's grace. Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you. And that's from 2 Corinthians 12.9. God longs for you. He wants you in his kingdom. And he wants you to come to him with your troubles, your joys, and your sins. Talk to him today. God does not do things by half. 
and his promises are sure. Trust him. If he promises to forgive you, he will forgive you. Why don't you take him into your confidence like a good friend? Because what he says goes. He does not change and he loves you very much despite what you might think of yourself. Time's up again and I'm glad you've joined me today. And until next time, I wish you reassurance and peace and joy.